This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 97.5, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network, three o'clock hour, uh, one hour down. Several to go. Hopefully, I've not crashed this Ferrari that is the big show just yet. I am Austin Horton, usually behind that side of the glass, producing this thing with uh, Jake and Gordon hosting. But Jake, uh, of course, welcoming a new life to the family today. We're so excited for he, his wife, and their uh, three-year-old daughter. And to have a new uh, sibling in the house will be a fun new adventure. And of course, Gordon doing far less noble things like going on vacation, which is needed and deserved. Uh, everyone needs a break, but it's it's not... You know, Jake's not Jake is missing work to do a lot more work, although it be a joyous event. Gordon's missing work to forget about work. So I'm here in this seat uh, for today and tomorrow. Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback, is going to co-host with me tomorrow live at the warehouse in downtown Salt Lake City. So stay tuned for that. But today with the NFL draft just hours away, Zach Wilson expected to go second overall to the New York Jets. A guy who uh, has covered that team, or excuse me, covered the BYU football team for decades here in this market. Uh, One of my favorite host of DJ and PK in the morning great writer longtime sports personality here in the state and uh, I add pers- or sports ahead of the word personality to be kind PK Patrick Kinahan with me now hi PK thanks for doing this hello Austin Horton how the heck are you I'm fine uh, you are from uh, the Kinahan studios joining me and I've been used to Gordon being at the uh, Monson Studios doing the show, I you and I have not interact, interacted at all except for like a text message here and there in the last year. I'm I'm just dang excited to see you again soon. Well, it's going to be soon, sure. Get back to normal. I think the important thing is that everybody can reclaim normality in their lives. That's for sure, and everybody wants that. Now, the normality I would like in my life is to uh, be signing a four-year, 30 to $35 million deal tonight, like Zach Wilson will be likely with the New York Jets. And you wrote an incredible uh, piece at, for KSL, and I believe it's on our website as well. At it least is. we typically do that, yeah. Yes. 1280thezone.com. Uh, it was, you guys had John Beck on uh, with you and DJ last week. I think it was last week. Yeah, beginning of last week, yeah. And uh, you took some of that and wrote a a column or a piece for KSL about it. And, you know, I wanted to talk to you specifically because you you followed and covered John's career at BYU from the start to the finish. You've been uh, you've known each other, you and John, for some years now. And then you, you get this mentorship with he and Zach Wilson together. And I remember a couple of years ago looking at some stats and, and thinking, there's, there's a real similarity here in numbers between Zach Wilson and John Beck. But will Wilson turn out to be as storied as Beck was? And I think a lot of us forget, PK, that Beck's career did not start all that fun at BYU. And you guys talked about that. Yeah, it did not. He came in and the start of the three worst years in BYU history. I think he missed the first year because they had three consecutive losing seasons uh, in, what, 2001, 2002, 2003, was it? Somewhere in there. Yes, I think so, yeah. And uh, so 
he came in as a freshman, the second of the two of the three losing seasons, right? So his freshman and sophomore years weren't good. They weren't good at all. And I think that he's a, he's a very talented college quarterback. There's no question about that. And I think that all the stuff that was going on in the program, they had a ton of off-the-field issues and guys were going in every which direction. It was the most um, splintered, fractured football team that I've ever been around. And I've been around a lot of them at the college level, not uh, not so much the pros, but the college level and, and then before that high school. And that was about as most chaotic as I've been hmm. around. And I think that that affected John, and it took him a couple years. I remember talking to Brandon Dolman that Brandon Dolman took over when uh, as a quarterback coach when the change was made and Bronco Mendenhall came aboard. And Brandon told me a story that he needed a whole year just to get John's confidence up <laughs> to where it needed to be, and then they could work on improvement. And that whole year was the 6-6 six and six season, his junior year. So they got him to where he needed to be, and then at that point they could start making improvement to his game. And that was the senior season, and I think that was uh, John's uh, 2006, I think it is, uh, so 2005 yeah. would have been the 6-6 uh, six and six Broncos' first year. I was off by a year. And then in 2006, they went 1-2 and two and then did not lose the rest of the way. And John had a phenomenal senior season. So, in a sense, the program wasn't as chaotic, although it was coming off a horrendous season at 4-9, and nine, and they had to fire guys, uh, one guy in particular who wasn't qualified to do the job and one, one guy who Kalani didn't want in the first place. But they got that taken care of. And so then uh, Zach came in, and halfway through his freshman year, he got the starting job, played well at times. And then his sophomore year was sort of all over the place yeah. with an injury, and then he comes back. They looked awful offensively against San Diego State. He turns the ball over three times against Hawaii in a bowl game, in a game they just basically gave away at that time. And so then he's in competition, big competition for his junior year, which was last year. At this time last year, he's competing for the starting job, the coaches, although they have since told me that, you know, we figured that he was going to be the guy, but we had to go through the competition. He didn't deserve to be handed it or anointed at that point. This time a year ago, he's in a battle. He wins the battle, has a big-time senior season, or junior season, I should say, because obviously he left early. And John saw all that, and John told us that he saw pro potential as a sophomore <laughs> and felt that all this stuff, the scars that he calls them, were going to be for his benefit. And I think John is also preparing him for scars in the NFL because John went through a whole lot of scars in the NFL. Yeah, and that's so the not only did their college career have some similar ebbs and flows, but the NFL now looms in front of Zach Wilson and John Beck finished strong in college as you noted, and then the NFL just swallowed him whole and some of it was his fault, some of it wasn't. Uh, you know, you got to get with the right program at the right time with the right tools around you. If you hand a spoon to the world's best plumber, he's probably not going to be the world's best plumber for long. But if you give him the right tools, he can do his job. That was sometimes fair and not fair uh, at the pro level with Beck. What did he tell you about Zach's and his advice for Zach Wilson as he goes to a storied flop of a franchise of late? I think as far as the plumber analogy, two things. You better have bigger pants and a longer shirt. 
You get my drift. So oh, when you have man. To, you know where I'm going with this. Hey, it happens. Don't do crack. You? Say no to crack. That thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We got that out of our system. I mean. So John <laughs> gets the second round pick. He's told he's going to be all this. I think Cam Cameron was the coach and Trent Green was the starter and that they're going to allow John to basically have an apprenticeship. He's third team. Uh, everything is set up for him to take over down the line and have about eight weeks, nine weeks into it. Green's injured. They don't like the backup. They throw in John. He's not prepared. Everything changes. They, I think they went 1-15 that year. And then they, everybody's gone, of course. It's the NFL, so obviously that's going to happen. They change everything top to bottom, and it just didn't work. And then he just starts bouncing around, and five years later, he's out of the league. So as far as the scars, John can speak to that. And that's real important to transfer over to Zach because Zach's going to an area that I grew up in where he trains is not more than five miles, Florham Park, right down where I lived. And I know all about the Jets and Giants, and I have all sorts of relatives there, and I talk to them, and you better win, as we know. And that's because that's the shadow of New York. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, but it was like Draper to downtown uh, to give you an idea of how close New York City was for where, where I grew up. So that's a real harsh market. The Jets have, stu- have stunk for a long time. They've gone through quarterbacks since Chad Pennington in 07, mm. who I think was a four-year starter, at least there for four years. Uh, they haven't had anybody start more than three years, and then they keep changing it over. And so now you're going to take the number two pick, and he's there in Cleveland tonight. Trevor Lawrence isn't, so they're going to make a big deal about him because they can parade him across the stage and do all this stuff. He's their first guy that they can do that with. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Zach, and John can speak to that and make sure he has the mental wherewithal to be ready because there's no doubt you're getting a team that's 2-14. and 14. Uh, And if they went 8-8, eight and eight, I think they would be ecstatic with a new coaching staff and a rookie quarterback. That would be incredible. I don't think they're going to do that. So there's going to be some hard times starting right in September. And John has been able to work with Zach on that, in addition to the technical aspect, which John, John was like a robot when it came to the quarterback position. I mean, he was a computer. He understood it. I don't mean that he was robotic. I mean knowledge, mm-hmm. computer-like thing. Uh, one of those big, massive computers you'll see in a, in a building type of thing. I mean, he just knew the position through and through, and he could transfer that. He's very articulate, very well-spoken, smart guy. So, and, and we know right from the Navy game last year, the announcers just feasted on that whole idea of, of Zach driving uphill both ways in the snow <laughs> to be able to work with John on weekends and whatnot during the last summer. Yeah, the famous San Diego Huntington Beach snowstorms uh, that we all know and, and love so much. So another BYU legendary quarterback, Steve Young, was talking about the Jets, and he th- he sees that he thinks the Jets have done the right things to set up a good, fair start for a guy like Zach Wilson. I don't know. I think time will tell as, as far as that goes. But my question for you, PK, is what is a fair expectation for a guy like Zach Wilson? Because as you just mentioned, uh, Mark Sanchez didn't even last his rookie contract there, and he took him to -to back-to-back Easter or AFC championship uh, games, and he was gone after his rookie contract. What is a fair timeline? How much time should they give Zach Wilson before they say this is or is not working? 
Well, there's a few things that go into it, and I want to say Steve Young's comments about the new regime, the head coach and the coordinator are coming over for the Niners, and we know Steve has a connection <laughs> to a the Niners, point. right? Good so point, he can, yeah. he, And I don't mean that as, oh, so he's just going to pump him up because of his Niner connection. My line of thinking is Steve is going to say, what he knows and has a little more inside information on that. He's closer because, to them, yeah. Because yeah. he is, and he lives up there a good portion of the year. And so I'm sure that he speaks from a position of more authority because he, he most likely he literally knows those guys and he's watched them for sure. And they've had success here of late, uh, you know, some better, better, better years than others. But I think that for Zach, you, you can't go in and – make these harsh evaluations now you've invested a the number two pick in the draft and if this doesn't work you're in big trouble because the prior uh administration invested the third pick in the draft and sam darnold and he had some injuries last year and all of a sudden boom you're starting over you feel like zach wilson is your guy okay fine but what you can't do is in a couple of years get the hots for some other kid who's out there. Uh, hopefully he's the latest Sun Devil quarterback, but that's just me. <laughs> and so you're all excited about that. this guy. You've got to let Zach grow into it. And you've got to put some team a team around him that has some degree of proficiency. If the Jets ever want to get back going again, they've got to do it the right way. It's like the Jazz. You know, they went through that rebuild when they got rid of Millsap and Jefferson. And go ahead, go through the rebuild. But what you don't want is the Sacramento Kings where mm. you're going through five rebuilds and you never get out of yeah. the rebuild. Right, it's a and cyclical just, rebuild. Yeah. You just keep changing people, ownership, coaches, GMs, blah, blah, blah. So I think have him show progress. And there's no reason why he can't. Because I think today's quarterback, and I've talked to Steve Young about this very thing over the years, is that they're far more sophisticated because it's basically a year-round job even when they're in college. And so they're able to have more success early. You don't necessarily have to go the Aaron Rodgers route of sitting around and doing nothing game-wise on Sundays for three years before you take over. I think that we saw Justin Herbert last year and Tua to an extent, but I'll go zero in on Herbert, that I thought with the Chargers when he got his chance, I thought he looked really good. They didn't win a whole lot of games because they found ways to blow games at the end, but that's not really uh, Herbert's fault entirely. He needs to get better. So I would look along the lines of what Justin Herbert was able to achieve as far as showing progress and showing a worthy offense that can move the ball. It's not prolific, but you can see, all right, they got something there. And so that's my expectation. Can I, I can't necessarily put a win total on it right. because I don't know about the team around him. He finds a way to get five, six wins. To me, that's a substantial improvement. But he's got to show, and I think we can see it. If you're watching these guys week in, week out, like the New York fans will be, the media, obviously the coaching staff, you can tell if the guy's making progress the way I followed Herbert because he was a Pac-12 guy. I could tell last year, even though the wins weren't piling up, that, all right, you've got something there. That's what I want to see out of Zach Wilson in his rookie year. And the the key difference being maybe that Justin Herbert was not given the starting gig 
day one there with uh, LA. Uh, it took a, a trainer puncturing, was it Taj Boyd's lung? Who, I forget I who. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. He punctured his lung. He popped his lung, and they had to put Herbert in and never looked back, and he did fine. Zach will, uh, you know, assumedly take over day one as the starting quarterback for the Jets, and I wonder if uh, if four seasons is enough to, of a t- of time because you know the Jets have got what something like twenty one picks today or this year and next year's draft. Yeah, they're gonna. Have, it's gonna be a slow build. Can he a stay healthy? And I don't mean to jinx the kid, but a like Joe Burrow, can he stay healthy long enough to then build around him? And then B, will they have the patience there? You know that fan base. You know that media market. Will they be able to somehow break trend and have patience enough to give Zach Wilson time to build it? They have to. You can't go through it again. You can't go in a couple years and discard this guy. This is too big of a pick. You basically had the number one pick because everybody in their dog knew Trevor Lawrence was going number one. And we've known that for a couple of years. Mm. He just had to wait. The rules say, you, you know, three years Stupid. out of high school. Yeah. So essentially he was tied up. He was taken. So with that in mind, they had the best of everybody else. Who do you want? and there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks going early. They're going to choose Wilson by all accounts. So with that in mind, they have got to get this right. And what I would like to see is, you know, Wilson show the progress that Barrow, and I know Barrow got hurt, but before then I thought Barrow showed progress. It's another good example, uh, Herbert last year, Barrow last year, of guys jumping in there and doing their thing. And, you know, the wins weren't there. But you can see, you can watch it, and you can see. So then – with all those draft picks, they can address all the other needs that the team has. And with that in mind, you build your team up. And I think building the team up through the draft is the best way to go. And so you just better make sure you get these picks right. And then you can build and supplement around Zach Wilson, whether it's on offense or whatever your needs are defensively. Hey, before uh, we got a couple minutes with you left here, and Timmy Lacombe's going to join me uh, coming up for the rest of the show. And he, of course, does the pre, pre-half and post-game show with Jake on the Jazz broadcasts. So we'll get his thoughts on this as well. But you and DJ had a conversation earlier this week, and then you also heard these same words from Joe Ingles this morning on the Joe Ingles show about the Jazz, both Quinn Snyder and then, as I mentioned today, Joe saying that this year is about getting better. Each game is about getting better. And you weren't taking that so well the other morning and I don't blame you because is this year really about getting better or is this a year that it's Western Conference Finals or bust baby we're there aren't we well you know I've had time to think about what I was talking about and you were right to me at the first well, what are you talking about getting better we're 60 some games in we've got three guys from the Quinn Snyder perspective that are over 30 everybody in this lineup is a veteran even the youngest Donovan Mitchell is a four-year starter now when he gets to the postseason he'll be a four-year starter and so you know when are you going to go you better go now the way I was thinking but uh, as I've done a little conversations uh, in and around what Quinn Snyder was talking about and then listening to Joe the idea is to be ready when the postseason gets here. So using the regular season to get better, but not looking, well, it's not our time. Uh, We still have room to grow. Let's see how far we can go, and then we'll come back next year. I don't think that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I think they're saying that we're getting better, all these mistakes, uh, switching, two men switching and leaving a layup game winning and all that stuff. They basically did the same thing 
not as egregious uh, against the Lakers or that rundown version of the Lakers a couple of weeks back, two Saturdays ago. There was a screw-up defensively. And so let's make sure we get all our mistakes out of the way, get better, do what we need to do. And so when the postseason comes this year, that they're ready to go. Because if they're healthy, which, you know, is an if for everybody, but if they're healthy, yeah, I mean, there's no question that a first-round exit is horrendous. There's no other way to spin it if they're healthy. Second round, depending on who they get, they're going to probably get the Clippers or the Lakers, so uh, that's going to be a difficult matchup. You know, in a 4-0 sweep, I might have some problems with, but if you lose lose in the second round and you're having some hard-fought games in a series that goes 6 or 7, I don't know that I could really find fault with that. And, of course, if you get beyond that, it's, you're not playing with house money. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I never believe that at the pro sports level. You're playing with house money. No, you're playing with my money, <laughs> not house money. You're playing with the fans' money. You're playing with the ownership's money. It's not house money. Uh, that expression at the pro level has always driven me nuts, and I don't like it, and I, and I refuse to accept it. So I'm not saying they'll be playing with house money if they got to the conference final, but that would be an excellent advancement, and then we'll see what they do in the offseason, and expectations would be ratcheted up even higher the following year. So to answer your question, originally I was thinking, no, no way, but I think if you put it in context, it's about getting better, the best you can be in the regular season so you're ready to go in the postseason. All right, I can come along with that because, yeah, nothing's decided when you lose back-to-back games to the Wolves like they did. That doesn't decide anything. But I don't, I don't want it to then be fed to us again like, well, this is an improvement year because we've heard that before. And you, you've, you're, you've come to terms that that's not what the message was intended to be. I don't think it was, no. I think it was this year, if you finish, you know, first record, hopefully they keep the one seed and they – they win tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Obviously, it's going to be difficult. But even losing tomorrow doesn't knock you out by any stretch. There's still nine ball games to go. So uh, let's see what you got here. And if you finish second, it's not the end of the world. I'm not even sure finishing third is the end of the world. But yeah. obviously, you want to finish as high as you can. And if you do finish first, well, yeah, the, the team that finishes first, even with the injuries and the resting that the Clippers and Lakers have done, it's still legitimate in my mind your record is legitimate because it's not like you're playing the Lakers Lakers or Clippers 50 times. Hmm. Their record may be downgraded, but your record isn't enhanced by their injuries or their resting guys. It's two different things there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. He is uh, the great PK, Patrick Kinahan. Find him on Twitter at PK Kinahan every morning, 6 to 10, with DJ. John Beck said uh, the NFL can treat you like a swift kick to the groin. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> d- PK knows what that's all about every morning from 6 to 10, right? Well, I try to give it, not receive it. <laughs> that's what I mean. You yeah. you know more about the do, the kicking than the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the catching. Kick or be kicked, man. Tell the cold. <laughs> He'll agree with the same thing. That's in the Bible, isn't it? No. Uh, no, all right. The one I read. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, PK. Okay. There's PK. Uh, I owe a lot of my uh, young, uh, <laughs> young career. I guess I can call this. It's it's not a job. I guess it technically is a career, but we have so much fun. But I owe, I owe a lot of what I've learned and uh, where I've come uh, from to to PK for kind of taking me under his wing several times. And uh, he's a good guy and a good friend. And I waited till he hung up to say that because I think he likes people to think he's actually a jerk. So, uh, PK, thanks for the time. And uh, that, w- that was really fun. Coming up next, as I mentioned, Tim Lacombe will be here in studio with me.
me at the Carrier Zone Studios at Vivint Arena, downtown Salt Lake City. We'll go over last night's Jazz game. What does the uh, playoff seeding race mean to him? We've been talking about that today. Also still to come, 4 o'clock, Sam Amick of The Athletic. 4.30, Dustin Smith of QB Elite. He coached Zach, he coached Zach Wilson uh, in a club situation in, in uh, high school. And at 5 o'clock, Jazz beat writer Des- from the Desert News, Sarah Todd. It's all right here on The Big Show. We'll be right back. This is DJ and PK. Time to welcome in Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. I still don't understand the idea that Justin Fields is going to fall out of the top five, maybe even out of the top ten. Obviously, Zach Wilson's probably going to go number two. I would take Justin Fields at number two without question. If you make a highlight reel of Zach Wilson, he looks like a potential number two overall pick. But if you make a low-light film, you'll wonder why he's being drafted at all. Usually, his team was the best team on the field, if not always, last year. And the fact that he was still inconsistent and not able able to be dominant on a consistent level against lower level competition that gives me concerns and when you contrast that with what Justin Fields was able to do against some of the top competition particularly that performance against Clemson while playing injured I just don't understand why that's a conversation catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5-1280 the zone and the zone sports network you can't stop me now this it's the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 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 The Big Show, thanks to PK for the last segment. That was fun. I'm Austin Horton filling in for Jake and Gordon today. Lloyd Cole producing Behind the Glass and joining me now in studio, a guy that knows his rock music because he is a rock music god in his own right. I don't know if a lot of people know that about you. Tim Lacombe is here with me. Tim, what what's going on here? I'm just listening to Steve Miller. Um, you, my favorite thing about this song is that whip. The I mean, that was an 80s thing. They used it often. Uh, whip it, of course, uses it. Um, but that's a, that's a sound that we it. don't hear as much anymore. That little You're in a band? Whack. Yeah. What instrument do you play? I play the whip. I, I whip it. Whip it real good. <laughs> I hate that song so much. I hate that okay, song sorry. so much. I don't, first thing, I, I don't want to get on here and irritate you. Yeah. I've, I've seen you irritated, so I'm going to try to just over here sit in my spot. Not step on your toes. Excited to talk. Uh, Tim, as you know, fills in uh, on, not fills in, but hosts with Jake on the pre-half and post-game shows uh, for the Jazz broadcast. We'll talk a lot of Jazz. Yeah, he's filled in for about 60 games now. Yeah, he's, he's, we're, we're, we're getting him warmed up. We're Just getting to know we're him. We're testing it out with, I'm in with the, Tim I'm McCall. in the minors. <laughs> A-ball. We'll see if he can uh, take that next step next season. Uh, uh, w- welcome to the studios. Thanks for coming on or coming in during daytime hours. It's nice of you. Let's talk about this game last night, though. The Jazz score 154 points, but they did it with no one that you would think. Like, there was no Donovan Mitchell. There was no uh, Mike Conley. Rudy Gobert didn't have an astronomical scoring night. You didn't get Joe Ingles was good. Royce O'Neal was good. George Nying was good. The bench, though, was like 76 to 50 for the Jazz bench over the Kings bench. Are the Kings an 
NBA team without De'Aaron Fox? Let's start there. Well, De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes make a huge difference. Um, they're, they're the worst defensive team in the league with those guys. And what's even more staggering when you look at the lineup when they're not on the floor, they're actually worse than the worst team in the NBA. Really? <laughs> yeah, that drops. So um, David had the line of the night, I thought, last night. He said that the Kings were playing with the, about the same amount of energy as the cardboard cutouts had <laughs> in the stands. And, I, I mean, as I watched it, I'm like, he's not far off. Yeah. Um, because I watched a guy, you know, Jimmer was a little bit like a cardboard cutout at times defensively. And so I, I've got my experience. I didn't know Jimmer cutouts. played defense. Well, it was all presentation. Okay. He was on the floor. He was there. But he, Jackson, didn't, he didn't like sit down for no, the Jackson defense. had all his uh Jackson had all his slides. <laughs> he had all his rotations covered. And you guys were all right with that. You're fine. Given with what it. Jimmer was doing on the other had end. Had to keep it fresh. But that the Kings looked like they really could not have cared any less about the result last night. Well, we're down to 10 games. I mean, those guys, you know, it's the old adage, they can see the barn. Um, they know they're not going anywhere. They're not playing for anything. And, again, well, the Jazz were missing two really huge components. Um, but for Sacramento, like you mentioned, without the two guys, those two guys, they really don't resemble anything. Buddy Heald's about it. I'm amazed that they're as close to a playoff team as they are, actually, like in the standings. The, the one thing that stood out to me when I looked at it, they actually aren't just absolutely horrid offensively. They're actually pretty efficient. Um, they shoot quick, and they don't turn it over. So, you know, you can see where nights where they kind of get it going in transition, and, uh, and then Fox, obviously, uh, Barnes, Heald can have a night. Um, so I can see where they would be a little bit better than not. But, man, their defensive effort last night let, let, left a lot to be desired. So tell me uh, what I'm doing wrong here because the Jazz score 154 points. That's a career or a franchise record in points scored in a regular season game. Actually, I think in a game period for the Utah Jazz. They won by 49, which is a franchise record in point differential. And I'm kind of sitting here going, yeah, eh, okay. Am I am I am I being too uh, media ornery to just shrug off a 154 point win like that? Because I'm looking ahead and I'm like, that's it's not what this season is about for the Jazz. But seems like everyone enjoyed that one more than I thought anyone should. Let's rewind your day yesterday. Okay? All right, <laughs> I'm just gonna hit rewind on it, and, and I want to my go whole day. Back. Yeah, I just want oh. you to go back in the morning of yesterday, and knowing the Jazz started were play. at 3 a.m. Okay. Because I have a two-year-old. Uh-huh. Painful. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm bringing up bad <laughs> memories. This was not my intent. All right, so I know but, they've got the Kings. At some point yesterday, yeah, you knew they had the Kings, and they just lost two to the Timberwolves. Um, was there any part of you yesterday that thought there was any chance the Jazz might lose to the Kings? No, there was not. Zero. Zero. Uh, Jake asked me, as you guys were about to start the pregame, for my take on what that game was going to be like, and I hyperbole, I said, Jazz by 40. I really just meant they were going to blow blow out the Kings last night. I didn't think that they were going to win by 49. I was almost right in my hyperbole. So, honestly, I did not have any fear of the Jazz losing that game yesterday. They, I think the Jazz are a title-contending team that happens to have Donovan and Mike Conley hurt right now. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. They, should, they have no business losing to the Wolves, but the Wolves play a better defense than the dead corpse defense that the Sacramento Kings put out there. Yeah, it's hard for me to d- kind of identify why the Timberwolves gave the Jazz so much trouble. Um, but I, I will say there's, and I, and I mentioned this last night, you know, in my in my time in basketball, you know, it, it, you get a, a matchup sometimes and it has zero to do with how good that other team is. Hmm. 
but it has more to do with a their scheme, how they can really attack you. Um, and then, you know, to me, the key to the Timberwolves being so good against the Jazz is, you know, Towns, Russell, Edwards all played together. That team didn't play together much of the year. I think last I heard that that Russell and Towns only played 14 games together. Really? Wow. So while, yes, I, I agree with you, uh, the Jazz probably in a vacuum should beat that team every single time. Um, sometimes there's matchups where in with the Wolves, they took the Jazz ball. They was really physical with them. Um, all the space the Jazz had last night, they didn't have. And even when you think you're open against pressure and you are open, you're just open for less time. So sometimes you you hurry things. So to me, last night, the most important thing that happened was, one, they won the game. Uh, because unlike you, I had a bunch of people come up to me yesterday like, man, the Jazz could really tank here. And, you know, Sacramento had played da- actually beat Dallas last week. And I watched Dallas just dismantle Golden State uh, on the weekend. Um, so I actually was one of those people, too, that was like, I was, I was kind of hoping the Jazz won. But they took care of that, no problem. It was the way they did it that impressed me. And I actually almost earmarked it as a situation where Conley and Donovan are out. You're, you've lost two in a row. And guys' confidence was not great. Um, I don't think they played terribly bad on – Saturday. I thought they played uh, really bad. Excuse me, on Monday. I thought they played really bad on Saturday. The home um, game was bad. Yeah, they just threw the ball away all night long. And they started out great and, in my mind, lost some focus. And I think that's what Quinn felt, too. The game in Minnesota, I thought the Jazz played really well. In fact, fought back from uh, adversity. Conley hits the shot. So, um, to me, it speaks to where this team kind of was and where they went to. And to do it in a historic fashion, to me, says, I think that's something you earmark and kind of look back and go, that signs of life right there. That signs of championship DNA to me. So give it more credit than I'm giving it. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I liked the, th- the line from uh, Quinn Snyder last night about, he was talking about George Niang, but I think it was true for the team in general that George Niang, how did he put it, wasn't, wasn't making buckets or wasn't uh, playing defense because he was making buckets. He was making buckets because he was playing defense. Now, Jake Scott would hear something like that and vomit because it sounds like a cat poster. But I think that it's a, a real microcosm of the entire team's goal each night. And against the Timberwolves, it was more about score buckets and then play good defense rather than good defense score buckets like we saw last night. Yeah, the, the Jazz have to be, you know, I think when everything's right with the world. And, and we saw a little bit of this last night. The Jazz got out in transition. Why? Because they got stops. And they were able to, again, because, again, Sacramento didn't put forth a whole crazy amount of effort. But still, the Jazz got stops, got out in transition, and they made their separation. They made their run. They went 23-2 to coming to start the second quarter, and it was a majority of it was off stops and transition baskets. And when the Jazz are at their best, it, I agree with you, it does start with the defensive end. Um, because I think they have enough guys on the offensive end that they can get things done. But it's, it's when the Jazz are elite defensively, that's when I start to kind of dream again about possibly uh, a long stretch in the playoffs and possibly even a parade. You know, um, I hate parades, but that would be. But a fun that one. would be an awesome yeah. parade. I, I would actually rent space on one of the cranes that's out here. You know, <laughs> in the city, there's a lot of growth and and building going on. But um, so so yeah, I think I think there were some mundane things about last night, and, and I think you look at the opponent. 
um, and it's easy to dismiss. But the things that stand out to me, it was their best night of points per possession. As a team, they shot 73.8% effective field goal percentage. Their turnovers were down. They did a great job. They rebound 30% of their misses for offensive rebounds, which is a huge number. So like you, the stuff I really kind of been drawn to like a magnet is that effort stuff and that execution stuff. And coming off disappointing losses, that speaks a lot to me. Yeah, to, to that uh, rebounding note, they got 93% of the available defensive rebounds. The league leader this season is 80% a game in the Chicago Bulls, so they beat that by 13%. They grabbed 28% of their offensive rebounds, the league leader per game this year is 26% for the New Orleans Pelicans. So they were above, way beyond the the league leaders in both offensive and defensive rebounding last night. But I think the Jazz, when they're when you've got a team as offensively gifted as this Utah Jazz team is, and then you throw in that they're seeing that they they are not allowing the other team to score, that does something where because they know they're that they can score. But when they look at themselves and go, this team can't score against us, then they could go, the, the ceiling is the roof then. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> when you, especially when you consider you have the very, very best defensive player on the planet who's really – he's not just an ancillary – I mean, Donovan's improved, but I wouldn't say he's the best defensive okay, player on the okay. planet. Okay, <laughs> okay. He's not an ancillary player. He's the guy protecting the whole thing. He's your middle linebacker on that, on that defense for, for the Jazz. He's calling the coverages – uh, he's making sure guys are in the right spot. So, yeah, when the Jazz are locked in, focused, and determined defensively, that other stuff almost becomes easy. So I, I think there's a, a nice parallel to what Quinn said about George because we saw that being evident in his game last night. He's Tim Lacombe. Uh, he's in for uh, the rest of the show with me, Austin Horton. We're filling in here on the big show. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. Davis Vision, my brother just did that. Just went to Davis and took care of this uh, with this sale, and I, I'm so jealous of him. So jealous of him. I need to call him, 801-253-3080. Coming up next, a short uh, market update, and then at 4 o'clock, your NBA Daily Assist with Sam Amick. Stay tuned. It's the big show. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show. We're going to be live tomorrow from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it will blow your mind. Absolutely true. Half of my house 
is furnished by the warehouse, and the other half is not furnished because I can't. I bought. I built. Bought at a time I didn't know about the warehouse. Boom. So then I found the warehouse and. I actually got some furniture. I love that. And can still feed my children. Well, that's so, why they're there, right? Well, my child. <laughs> How many kids you got? You got, got another announcement <laughs> for us? No, no, man. No, no. I've got ch- children on the mind because of Jake Scott. Well, he's missing work today. So congrats to the Scott family. All right, it's time for a Tri-Day Trading Market update. Tridaytrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit Tridaytrading.com. Tim, you know a thing or two about the stock market. I might. I, I mean, probably <laughs> stuff you don't want to know. I've, I've obviously done, lived a long time, tried a little everything. You know what dog means? I or, do now. Uh, you know what, uh, what was the other was one? I thought it was doji. Doji? Yeah, no, I don't even know. I know ripple. I thought it was doge. It's doge. I don't know what is it, it is. Doge? It's doge. It's doge? Oh, okay. Not dog? No, not doge. Because it's about a dog, isn't it? The meme that it was born from? I played a little with the uh, the... This, later, earlier this year with the AMC. The GameStop Remember thing? I told you guys yeah. about that. Yeah, you. Uh, I asked you to explain it to me because I didn't know. And I said, explain it to me simply because I'm dumb. And you explained it, and I still didn't understand it because I'm dumb. Buy low, sell high. That's high. Whatever that means. The problem is my timing's never. I, I always choose the wrong line at the grocery store, too, you know? <laughs> like you walk up and you're like, do I go self-scan? There's one guy there. You're like Larry David. You go to the one line and the other line starts moving. Like you I'll switch go, over. I choose the dude. Yeah. I choose the dude every time <laughs> that you know he's just got a pack of gum, and then he he's like, uh, I need my propane tank filled. I got 17 <laughs> things, the, and my cart's just around the corner. Let me grab it. You know that's typically my decision, whether it be the supermarket or the stock market. <laughs> you think it's going to be a quick thing, and then come to find out he's loading up the semi in the in the back. Meanwhile, like the dude that. I could have stood behind, is now home barbecuing, and probably has the steak at a medium rare. Well, even dummies like me with Triday Trading's help can uh, do well with the stock market. And so check them out, TridayTrading.com. Today's numbers, Dow Jones up 240 points. S&P 500 up 28.5 points. NASDAQ up 31.5 points. All I know is they're up. And that's green, and that's good. Yeah, if there's three green arrows with the major markets, it's a good day for most people. Russ 2000, whatever that is, is Well, down. I guess there are people that bet against it, and shame on them. <laughs> that's a whole other show. The, that's, we'll leave that to Hanson Scotty to talk about. Right. The, that, that and with food. the cheese whiz. <laughs> Coming up next, it's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Sam Amick will join us. I want to tell you, though, about Minky Couture. Mother's Day is unbelievably a week from this Sunday. Is that accurate? May uh, 9th? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I thought it was this Sunday, so I actually got a week. sure about that? May 9th, right? Because this is today's the 29th, 30th, 1st is Saturday. Oh, my God. Second yes. is Sunday. You've got like nine days. I'm serious. Mother's you just Day. made my day because I seriously <laughs> thought it was this week. Well, whether it was this week or next week, the best thing you can do is go to minkycouture.com. May, uh, May 9th is Mother's Day. Get the best blanket ever that is also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. Sandy and her staff, they always do it uh, uh, right, and they're doing it again for our listeners, giving you 50% off for Minky Couture when you mention Zone 50, either at the store or online at MinkyCouture.com. Promo code Zone 50, 50% off from Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Coming up next, Sam Amick right here on The Big Show.